The Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. In our first segment, an attorney is trying to determine what she wants to focus on as a solo attorney. I've had my own practice now since 2012, but I shifted from criminal defense to more civil litigation. I guess I'm just just trying to just find my firm culture and just find out more of what I want to do as far as helping clients out and everything, because I've done a little bit of just a lot. I haven't have not done taxes, but I've done a lot of different cases and everything like that. So just trying to figure out just how to develop the culture, how to figure out what I want to do and how to make sure I stay on the path, because sometimes I find myself getting a little distracted sometimes by taking on like just other different types of jobs sometimes. So that's why I'm here. That's great. It said you, you were doing criminal, then civil, and you wanted to find out what you want to do and how to stay on track and not get distracted by, I take it as outside projects, out, ways of making money outside your firm to kind of make ends meet. Am I getting it right? That's true. Yes. Okay. I can't tell you what you want to do, but let me see if we can help find out. Why did you, so first of all, how did you get started in criminal? Um, they gave me my first job. They did. Like, I did not plan to do legal, I mean, criminal defense work. Okay. So you joined a firm mm-hmm. that, that hired you. And so you did it. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And you went with the public defender's office. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long were you there? Three years. Okay. Did you love it? Oh, yes, I did like it. But I, I didn't I know ask I, if you liked it. Do you see what you just did? You see what you did? I said, did you love it? You said, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> you know what happens when you tell that to your husband or your, or your wife or whatever? Do you love me? I like you. Well, I guess I didn't love it, but I did like it, though. I mean, I learned a lot. So Okay. And then why did you make the shift, the shift to civil? Because I wanted to do something different. I mean, that's what I thought I was going to do when I initially came out of law school was civil work. Okay. And, so and I'd civil, never, I never really planned to do criminal defense. Yeah. Civil is not really a thing. Civil is like saying I, um, I sell products. When you say civil, what did you do or what, what have you been doing? Well, I've done some contract work, some contract work, some landlord-tenant work. I guess mostly like small claims cases in General Sessions Court. And I know that General Sessions takes all different types of cases, but it's mostly been small claims, some divorce work. Okay. So if I'm in Nashville and I get a client comes in my door and I can't take the case, how do I know what to send to you? What do, I, what, what do, what do you tell the world you do? Because if Gina Crawley does civil work, I'm not sending you anything. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, that's so most of my business comes by referrals, by word of mouth, by other people I've done work for. So well, what's your favorite thing that you've done for them? When a case comes in the door, what kind of case makes you go, yeah, I want to work on that? Gosh, I don't know if I've, I can't say that I've really experienced that. I don't think that I have. Why did you go to law school? Because I wanted to help people. Do what? You could help people by doing their laundry. Like, why did you go to law school? <laughs> That's true. I could. I guess really to really to balance out the playing field, it's kind of a personal story. Just something my mom was going through. 
she really didn't have anyone else she could turn to. And she had all these questions and there was another situation going on. She just didn't know where to go. She really needed a lawyer. Couldn't really get one. A lot of them were really expensive. You know, she, you know, so she was just didn't know what to do, really. What kind of situation? It was like a, um, a criminal situation, believe it or not. So it involved um, criminal defense. And I want to say that she had had an attorney, but she was just lost. Like she couldn't get any answers anywhere. She just know how to navigate the system. Uh, really didn't have anyone to really help her with that because, I mean, she's never really had to use a lawyer before prior to that. Not really. And so it was just like, and it wasn't even for her, it was for a family member and just trying to navigate that situation, just to look on her face and the frustration that she experienced was part of the reason um, why I decided um, I wanted to go to law school and just kind of help out. Why did you not decide to go into private criminal practice? I did. I did do that some. And I still do that sometimes. But I don't know. I just feel like just maybe it could just be me where I'm at in life. I'm just feel like I'm just kind of all over the place, I think. And I'm thinking that I probably need to just and this is probably what we're doing now is kind of sit down and just really just kind of narrow it down and just kind of think through what it is that I want to do. No, don't think about what you want to do. You'll never figure out what you want to do. Who do you want to help? I want to help people who usually do not have access to attorneys or to there may be what? some sort of barrier in place to why, for whatever reason, whether it's finances or what, who. Oh, there's there's enormous barriers to getting legal help. You want to help them do what? What what people are having trouble accessing attorneys that could use your help today, right now in Nashville? I think people that are facing what I see a lot is um, people dealing with creditors. Like I see that they need a lot of help. And just navigating that and knowing what their rights are when a creditor calls them. I think that's the biggest is what I see right now. Good. Do that. Stop everything else immediately. <laughs> and I don't mean like if, if Eller calls you up and says, hey, I've got this landlord tenant case. Can you help me? You say, yeah, that's fine. I'll help you. But do not market. Do not tell the market. Do not tell anybody that that's what you're doing. You tell people, I help people who are being abused by creditors to get their life back. That's what I do. That's all I do. That's what I do. You got a creditor who's being abused. Send them my way. I'll help them get a seven. I'll help them get a chapter 13. I'll help them with Fair Credit Reporting Act claims. That's what I do. Because what you're doing right now. So first of all, how does that sit with you? That's just okay. I wouldn't want to do bankruptcy, but I wouldn't want to help them in small claims court, though. Why wouldn't you want to do bankruptcy? I guess I could learn. It's It's not hard. I don't know. I guess I thought it would be challenging. Not that I'm not up to a challenge, but I just, I know it's a lot of, I just, I don't really have a good reason for why I wouldn't want to do bankruptcy. Not You help creditors. Yeah. You help creditors. Like, I, I mean, I think that's a great place to start. I help creditors. I've, I help debtors, debtors, sorry, <laughs> stop being abused by creditors. I help people who are suffering under the heel of abusive creditors to get a fair shake in this system where they can't. That's what I do. I make sure that people who have incurred a debt don't let it rule the rest of their lives. That's what I do. And, you know, if that involves understanding how to do some bankruptcy stuff, you know, there's software out there. Bankruptcy's like, bankruptcy's just helping people. It's a system. It's turn the handle. It's not that complicated. What the complicated part is understanding their particular situation and seeing how you can help them. A huge number of them will be, you'll be able to help them without bankruptcy. And, you know, if you really, really hate it, you can associate with someone who'll do the bankruptcies. I think you should do them because they're not hard and you can make money. But if you narrow your focus to that, then people will know how to refer you business. Mm -hmm. And you will get more business, not less. And, you know, then you'll be able to afford to get some marketing. And that, and then, you know what, if that doesn't sit well with you, 
just chew on that. But rather than going to the drawing board and going like, what do I want to do? I don't know what I want to do. Like, here's the thing. You want to do that. Sit with that. Chew on that. Feel that. And like, come back here next month and let me know how that feels. Or if you've moved forward, like don't wait a month to move forward. Start moving forward with it. Start telling people that. If it starts to feel wrong, shoot me an email. It's Christopher at SunnysideLaw.com. I'll talk to you or come back to this thing. And, you know, we'll figure well, we can go deeper on that. But, you know, that also will help you. You asked about how to stay on track. When you've got a focus, it's much easier to stay on track because, you know, what do, now, how do you get new business? My business is kind of low. Can I do marketing? I don't know. Can you? I don't know if I can do marketing. Well, maybe not. Maybe then you can, you know, just go to whatever organizations you might belong to or organizations you, that, that might want to hear your message and go like, hey, the eight things to do if you are being abused by a creditor, I'm going to, I'm going to teach a one hour class on that free. Everybody can come free. And then, you know, you'll get 20, you know, 12, 18, 20 names of people who come to, to listen to you. And one of those will hire you. And you just, you, you do that. There, there are things you can do to get this business kicked off right away. You call everybody who's ever referred you business and everybody you know from the public defender's office who have a lot of people who are having creditors problems and say, listen, I just want to let you know, you print out some really, you know, go to Vistaprint for $9.99. You can print out a hundred announcement cards saying I've launched this kick creditors ass firm. And I just wanted to let you know, you know, if you have anybody that I could help, I'd be glad to help them and talk to them and see what I can do. You get that word out there and the world will be the pathway to your door. InfoTrack, the same company that simplifies your e-filing and process serving, is right now preparing Legal Up 2024, a free and fully virtual event for legal professionals. Learn new skills from experts around the industry. Meet fellow legal professionals from around the country. And tune into the latest and greatest trends and happenings from the comfort of your home or office. Join InfoTrack and One Legal on April 24th and 25th and see why 99.9% .9 of legal professionals recommend this virtual conference. Register now at infotrack.com slash legal up. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com The remaining two segments focus on an attorney who is considering the risks and rewards of hiring a second client intake manager. So my question is, I have a client intake manager, the person who answers the phone, does a lot of administrative stuff, all kinds of things. Whenever a person comes on board and they're successful and they know what they're doing, we move really fast. We have a lot of a lot of new clients and uh, things seems to be kind of in order. But inevitably, these people leave. What can I do to... And, especially in this market, I'm not going to hire just the first person who will, is going to apply, but finding somebody adequate takes time. And in the meanwhile, we do have answering service, but it's not, it's, it's completely not enough. And like, for example, in June, we had 28 new matters 
still had a lot of new matters to work on. And then person gave notice and then she left in July. We only had five new matters just because there was nobody. And it happened to be, I was in Maine for the whole month of July and it was supposed to be mostly time off, only doing the, whatever the minimally I'm required to do and accept that I was <laughs> doing a lot of things and we still, I didn't answer the phone, but uh, we only had five new clients for that month. Money-wise, I don't really care, but kind of predictably, it would be nice to have some kind of plan. I thought about having two people doing the same job. So if one quits, there's still somebody there. But the price point, it just kind of doesn't make sense. So typically, a person would be making as a base something like $50,000. The bonus compensation could be twenty twenty five if they're successful or even more. So that would just doesn't make any sense if one person can do the job independently. They they don't need. I I wouldn't want to pay because it's gonna. Are you sure? Let's do some numbers. Okay. How much is a matter? What's what's your average case value? I think it last year it was three thousand seven hundred dollars. What's your profit margin? I did not calculate my profit margin, but it's. You've never calculated your profit. No, margin? no, no. I did, but uh, not not recently. Okay. Well, what's what's the best number you've got? That's not going to be a good number to rely on. What do you think it is? 50%. Really? That's not a good number to rely on. So No, it's not. No, I haven't done it in probably a couple of years. Let's just for shits and grins, since you don't know what it is, let's say you're doing really well and it's 35%. Mm-hmm. Okay. 28 cases in July, right? Five in August. The Delta is 23 cases. 23 cases times $3,700 is $85,000. $85,000 times 0.35 is $29,000 of profit. Now tell me again about how two people is not a good way to go to protect $29,000 of profit per month. You're paying them $4,000 per month when all in $6,000 per month to protect You'd be you'd be carrying an extra six thousand a month to protect thirty thousand dollars per month. But I don't think we're going to have that much. The firm is relatively small, so we seem to be growing money wise. But um, we doubled in the last couple of years. But we still only have three people, at most, not including myself. Because you do this, I mean, the firm is small. That is a result not a cause and not a reason for anything unless you want it to stay that way. In which case you should never take 28 new cases. You should have stopped halfway through the month. Well, with the systems we have, we could, we could easily, as long as I have somebody helping me with that, we could easily do that. Okay. So then again, it could just comes back to when you say it, it's too much to carry two people. I say they're protecting $30,000 of re- of profit. You're paying an extra $6,000 to keep $30,000. It's a no-brainer. And imagine how much better your intakes would be if there were two people and they could take twice the time and twice the energy and twice the care. And they could do twice the follow-ups and twice the, the loss calls and twice the win calls and twice the work on getting five-star reviews and all this stuff. And they could you could help them compete with each other. And your whole customer experience would be improved 
and you would be completely immunized from one of them leaving. Because if one of them leaves, you know one can carry the load, and then you hire a replacement for the one that left. But it then revolutionizes it means the business. that we're not going to be able to handle the workload. Why? All of this extra attention. I'm just talking about them doing the, the workload you can handle, the 28 new cases you can handle. You told me you can handle it. I mean, I'm not actually forcing you to hire more attorneys and earn more money and take home more profit. I'm just talking about, listen, when they, if they hit your goal, you slow them down. Say, listen, let's, let's, uh, let's pay more attention to our current clients and former clients. We're going to slow down the new ones this month. We'll pick it back up next month. That's fine. Or you grow your business. But people don't quit every two months. So how does it work? That was easy. You had 28 in July and five in August. That's it. So you lost $30,000 of profit in August because someone quit. Now, now what you're saying is, yeah, this doesn't happen all the time. But you told me, inevitably, people leave. Uh-huh. That inevitably sounds like it's at least once a year. So you still, in, in a year, if you lose $30,000 of profit by having two, you can recapture that profit and then some by the much greater care that you can take with the clients you've got and the clients you've got, you've, you have had before. You can do referral. Pro- I mean, there's so much more you can do with the two people, right? You can open up a whole referral uh, plan that you don't have they don't have time to do right now. All the customer care, you might end up growing, and I'm sorry if that happens, but you will cover this real pain point that you've got. How would they fight? Because the profit is based, you basically I'm paying $100 for each successful onboarded client for the months beyond the client five beyond the five clients in the in, in any given months how would they be fighting they would be fighting okay you took the call i'm taking the call next and some of it oh i handle that by um having team bonuses so everybody gets their own bonus and like you can manage that you just like you get a you get b you get a you get b you get a you get b you can do it that way or you know you can stagger their hours a little bit so that the you know, the, the, the people can, can reach them. I mean, I let Calendly do all the heavy lifting for me, you know, cause Calendly, I've got two people on the phones, three people, I have five people on the phones, but I tell Calendly to route them based on availability first. And then based on, uh, keeping the load even. I use acuity and I don't think they do. Yeah. I hate acuity. Acuity is like the Microsoft of, uh, of, of, of scheduling programs. Like it's really powerful as long as you have a programmer on staff to, to, to build it. And so I don't have a, I don't have the bandwidth to hire a full-time programmer to program my acuity. So I just don't. And I love Calendly. It's just so easy and it's so powerful and it, and it's not hugely customizable. So I like it, but yeah, there, there's other ones out there too. But yeah, that, and then, oh, and then what I do, so I, I have that, like I have the balancing mechanisms in place. And then I also have team goals. So, you know, on a given month, I might say, all right, here's the team goal for September. We're going to have, I want 60 subscriptions this month. If we hit 60, I will add 50% to everybody's bonuses, or I'll just give everybody an extra $500 or whatever. I just, you know, I do a different contest every month because I change it up. So everybody, and man, my team, on the first, they're always like, what's the, what's, what's the game? What's the game this month? What's it going to be? And so I, I, I've gamified it a little bit for them, which keeps their job fun. And it's a friendly competition because there's individual goals and team goals. 
And if the team falls down, everybody loses. And so they all work together because they all know that they goose each other's profits by, by reaching the team goal. So that's how I manage that problem is I keep everybody pulling for each other. And, you know, you should see, you should see our sales Slack channel. Every time someone closes a sale, the other people on the team are like, go, uh, you know, whoever it is. And, uh, you know, they're like, it's, that's amazing. That's your fifth one in the week. That's, a, that's a, a unbelievable. And they, they really root each other on, not because they're great people, but because they're all in it together based on the way I've structured it. And you, you can do the same exact thing. I can help you do that. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. So, for example, if I have a new person, she already committed. The reason she came on board because I promised her this structure and if I'm going to be changing it up, there's probably going to be some time frame to make it work, but initially it's not going to be as profitable. So that's one thing. I change it all the time. We cannot, without bringing more people, we cannot handle more cases. Like I said, I might, this might accidentally cause you to have to grow your business and make more money. But, you know, if, if you really don't want to, then you, again, you're, you're dealing with this lost profit that happens on an inevitable basis. And so we're looking to protect the portfolio. And these people can do other things that your business needs done in their additional time. So you can find a way that they you don't have to take anything away. What the compensation would be then? Like, let's say if they had $50,000 base, That's but a good bonus base. was kind of almost guaranteed to get $20,000 extra per year. I bet there's a few things you're not doing. Um, that you could add the bonuses for, like lost calls. Right? Are you doing lost calls? To call people who said no? Yeah. No. So I, I give my folks, they get $60 to do a lost call um, as long as they reach the person and get a response. And so I give them things that they can do if they're slow that are hugely valuable for the business. I give them $300 for a five-star review you know, hugely valuable for the business that they can go, there's lots of little places they can go to go earn money. And it's not money out of my pocket because each one of those things enhances my close rates, reduces my marketing spend, makes for happier clients. It's, it's you know, it, it all comes back and I have a happier sales team and I've protected myself. I always hire ahead of, my, of the curve on my sales team. Because it's because also you know it takes time for them to get good, um, and so I like to to 
keep that going. But yeah, that's, I mean, that was your question was, how do I overcome this? All right. Before I go into my question, you raised your hand a little bit. What did, what did you want to add? I have offshored this role and they do really well. And I now have three people that can cover this and they all have other responsibilities as well. Like one of them has become a Medicaid legal assistant. One is sort of like full-time intake. The other one also does like bookkeeping and client happiness stuff. So get staffed up that's worked for you. Yeah. Oh, but you do have like three people who do that or some. Yeah. We're actually hiring because like, as they learn our business more and more, they start taking on more responsibilities. So now I need to hire a fourth person who's going to be like dedicated frontline receptionist. And four people cost me $8,000 a month. Wow. So I'm happy to. So two cost you about what Lena, well, actually, yeah, almost three cost you what Lena's paying now. Wow. Well, like I, in New York City, I couldn't find someone who had a good attitude and a good work ethic and common sense for less than like, yeah, like sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year. Like, I don't want someone who just dials it in. I want someone who, and like the fact that I do it this way, where like you start doing this, because that's sort of like the least amount of stuff you need to learn. And then as you learn this, as you perfect this, I want you to grow, you know, professionally, et cetera. Like I'll teach you new things. And like, and people keep outgrowing this receptionist role and in a good way. And because they've come up through the ranks, they have a lot of like loyalty. And then coming back to the very important question is you said that they inevitably leave. That's not true. That's a very interesting story. So why are they leaving inevitably? Uh, well, most of the times they find something that pays a lot more doing something different. So they leave because you don't give them a vision of what, how they could grow with your business. Well, it would be hard to match. The last person left because her base at a new job would be something like $80,000 plus very serious bonuses, completely working from home. There's no way I'm going to be matching that for client intake manager. Again, to protect $30,000 of profit, maybe you would, but that's okay. They don't have to be a client intake manager for the rest of their lives, right? There's other, there's probably things that they can grow into. I think getting two is a great idea. And, you know, but at some point you have to look at the market. And if the market is paying the people you want $80,000, but it's doing something completely different. It's doing sales for some tech company or another person left year prior. She went to do mortgage foreclosures or some kind right. of mortgage. Like, like I said, if the market is paying people with the skills you want mm-hmm. more, you may have to face the fact that you're underpaying for the role. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you are. But you know, if, if you're finding that they're leaving for better paying jobs elsewhere, either you need to offshore, which is a great idea, or you need to say, all right, that's what these skills cost. The profit on these cases is enough that I've just got to pay what it costs. So I've, we've given you a lot to think about, but I think I think uh, between the getting to and offshoring, that might be a great solution for you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.